the reason these disturbances, they followed you to a new home, is because it's not the house that's haunted. It's your son. So, 1,100 men went in the war. 316 men come out. The sharks took the rest June the 29th, 1935. Anyway, we delivered the bomb. Never, ever, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. Get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, My name is Robert Hawkins. Approximately seven hours ago, uh, something attacked the city. Um, found this. If you're watching this, then you know more about it than I do. California, stay away from me. Stay away from me. I'm not, I'm not coming here. John Doe has the upper hand. And on that day, Ahab will go to his grave, but he'll rise again within the hour. He will rise and beckon that all, all save one, shall follow. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. Hello. Welcome once again to Dark Discussion Show, a place for discussion of horror film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I am one of your co-hosts, Philip, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how are you, sir? I'm peaky. Indeed, indeed. And in the state of New York. Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil, and I did want to point out, just in that picture, the dog is smiling a little, just saying. <laughs> I did notice that, too. Both are smiling. That's the best part. <laughs> well, you expect the one to be smiling. Right, right. We'll, we'll, we'll explain that in a second. And in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett, and Phil don't call on me for anything because I am not doing well today. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, for folks who are curious, uh, especially some of our listeners like Pam, uh, we're recording this on May 11th, 2023, because sometimes these episodes aren't uh, released immediately after we're recorded. Uh, also, we are recording it uh, to timestamp it at 8.40, it says, p.m. on Eastern Standard Time because of uh, um, a softball uh, game that my and I had to do the scorekeeping and, and all that and uh, yeah yeah so Eric was kind of upset that we had to push it back a half hour to, and then an hour because the game went longer than we expected and we lost anyway and Mike then sends a picture of two dogs copulating and saying one is softball and Eric is the bottom yeah pretty much <laughs> but but you're smiling <laughs> in the picture that's what Mike was referring to that, that, that is that is what how Eric described it each well I showed up didn't I <laughs> well and he showed up probably because uh, maybe the movie tonight we're discussing is pretty good I don't know we'll talk about it in a second <laughs> but uh, who are we for folks who are new to the podcast or those who aren't uh, we are Dark Discussions podcast uh, basically, we talk about genre films, so horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, midnight movies, cult films, foreign language films, 
uh, drive-in fear, and the like. Basically, we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, also, we have a website, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. And on that website, you can find all the podcasts that are on the network, including uh, this podcast here, which is the Dark Discussion Podcast. Uh, but we do have a lot of spinoff podcasts and friends that do podcasts for us as well. And uh, they can all be found there. Uh, also, Eric, uh, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? They can find the link to our Patreon account. Patreon is a service that allows you to contribute monetarily to your online artists like us. Producing this show is not free. We have to pay for things like computer equipment and website hosting and uh, domain names and movie tickets and et cetera. So if you'd like to help us offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can go. You can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed, indeed. And uh, once again, this is May 11th, 2023 that we're recording this, which is exactly three months from the day that all your co-hosts will be meeting up, along with uh, numerous friends, in Mystic, Connecticut uh, each year, excluding a couple of the COVID years. Uh, the group of us all meet up uh, for a yearly retreat. Uh, basically, we do uh, Mystic Pizza, and then we do uh, a movie, and we do a podcast uh, in person uh, and whatnot, and uh, basically it includes all the folks that are on this podcast, as well as a bunch of our friends and part of our uh, sometimes co-hosts, such as Kevin Letts and whatnot, and you, the listener, can join us if you would like to. Uh, so August 11th weekend, uh, if you need details, you can uh, contact us through darkdiscussions at AOL.com, or you could uh, contact any of us on uh, the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group, which is Dark Discussions Podcast. Uh, is the name of the group, and uh, we're all there, and you can ask the questions, and we'll give you all the information where you can uh, meet up with us, and the like, the more the merrier. Mike, you're going to say something. I was going to say, that also happens to be the weekend that Voyage of the Demeter is opening, so that might be the best yeah. for... Stop pushing your agenda! Uh, well, the <laughs> other option is going to be Make 2, so I'm just saying. Yeah! I have a neat note as well. Jenna... You know, she doesn't go to the movies with us because it's a horror movie, but she's going to be at a knitting shop doing a trunk show, selling her bags. Where, where, is, where is she doing that? In Mystic? Yeah. There's the shop up there that she uh, called and talked to, and they're going to sponsor her. I think Barrett disappeared. I don't know what happened. Can you hear me? Continuation of his awful uh, day. Yes, there it is. Can you hear me? Uh, we do hear you now, yes. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah it's in Mystic. She uh, called them, and they're... And there you go. Fading out. Uh, but if I can explain full about it, uh, basically she is going to be uh, setting up at a shop in Mystic, which is a great uh, tourist shop area where they have hundreds of little shops and stuff. And, and uh, Barrett's wife will be setting up there where she will uh, be selling her own work. Uh, and uh, myself and Mike actually got to see her in person uh, making her work at Scares That Care uh, two years ago, where uh, 2021 actually, uh, where she uh, at the table was uh, actually uh, making some of the items that uh, she may most likely sell. Uh, so that's another exciting uh, aspect of uh, coming to Mystic. So there Thanks, you go. Phil. Thank yeah. you. 
Indeed. I don't know why I keep fading out. Hopefully it doesn't continue to do that. Let me know. No, no. We hear you now perfectly, which is great. So, uh, yeah, these things happen. Technical difficulties because, you know, this is all what we call uh, the Internet and uh, AI is taking over. So, you know, we love our <laughs> overlords. So, we, you know, we, we ex- accept the, the hiccups, you know. It's, it's probably intentional, which is okay with us overlords. Please do not hurt us. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so um, let's see. So let's get into uh, some other details. So we did say uh, we have an email, so I already mentioned that. And uh, that's pretty much it. But we do have a, a special thing tonight. Uh, Eric, what, what is this? This is a special episode because of uh, something that you just brought up. Yeah, the, uh, tonight we're covering a Patreon pick. Um, Phil, can you tell me who picked this movie? Uh, you know, that's that's an excellent question. I'm going to try to find that out right now. Um, because we did we did a, a Patreon just a couple of days ago, and that was done, or I should say, picked by um, the Ginger Canadian. The Ginger Canadian, which is uh, one of the folks that does uh, some of our side podcasts. Uh, so I'm going to the the website now. Here, not our website. I'm sorry. The the folder I have the the spreadsheet in. And if I type in Patreon. And it comes up, uh, let's see, uh, of course, Patrick Ray's name comes up. That's not what I wanted. Um, let's see. You didn't realize I was going to throw this bag at you, did you? I, I did not. I did not. But that is a fair, fair point, sir. Uh, okay. It's good I'm not the only one that gets caught off guard. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Let's see if we can figure out who get, did this one here. So let me do search for inside. And I've been, I wrote a lot of names. Believe it or not, this was one of the very first picks that were ever uh, given to us, uh, the third Patreon pick ever, and they, they keep on repeating it. Now I'm trying – ah, Michelle Barkley. Michelle ah, Barkley. Michelle Barkley. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah, so Michelle picked this one. Uh, it's been uh, in the button bucket getting getting to be picked for a while. Um, but, yeah, we're going to be covering the 2008 French – extreme horror movie Inside.
That's right. Uh, inside, uh, before I go into further details for that, uh, I was actually near Michelle's uh, home and work uh, when I was in Pennsylvania uh, visiting the Flight 93 uh, park. Uh, but uh, I was going to try to visit her once back uh, like five years ago, right before COVID, uh, on the way down to Scares That Care. But, uh, of course, that. Uh, never happened. But uh, either way, uh, yes, inside is uh, a uh, film, at least in the States, uh, was 2008. Um, and uh, it's directed by Julian Morley and Alexandre Bustillo. <laughs> uh, it was also written by Alexandre Bustillo. And um, these folks have uh, done a number of horror films. Um, to be honest, that have uh, uh, been searched for by a number of uh, folks because uh, their second film, Livid, came out in 2011 but wasn't available for years in the States. Then, uh, of course, they did uh, Among the Living, uh, Candisha, uh, The Deep House, which just came out last year that got some buzz. And then, of course, they did uh, the horror film Leatherface from 2017, which was the one that starred... Uh, one of your favorite actresses, Eric. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Daza. Uh, I can't. I can't I'm trying to get it. I can pronounce names, but I can't pronounce her name. Put him out uh, of his misery, Eric. I don't know who he's talking about. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll tell you right now. Uh, her name is. I'm trying to find it here. Oh my gosh, I can't find it. This is ridiculous. Uh, Leatherface. Uh, Alex. Uh, Ala. You know, this may not be... Yeah, never mind. I screwed up. It's, <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, it, it was the prequel, so it wasn't the one with Alexandra Desiderio, or whatever her name is. It was oh, Alexandra Desiderio. Yeah, that, that was the one. Okay, that, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. So, either way, uh, that, that's... And I don't know if I'd call her one of my favorite actresses. Oh, I, I thought you you liked her a lot, but... Okay, fine. Uh, I think she's a very attractive woman, but well, better true. actresses. There's yeah, nothing to deny there. <laughs> yeah, not, nothing to deny there at all. Uh, but either way, um, uh, they uh, did this film here. This was their uh, debut uh, feature. Uh, the film uh, is only 82 minutes, and it's considered one of those uh, French extreme films that came out back um, 16 years ago or so, which is uh, when this one came out. And it uh, includes... Uh, not only the extreme things of quote unquote torture porn or, or slasher or whatever you want to call it, but uh, it also uh, takes place with uh, modern things at the time that were happening in France, uh, along with a number of other films in this genre where there was a bunch of riots in France, uh, which oddly isn't that uncommon even today, um, that uh, were occurring at the time and they. they place that as part of the film, which is kind of interesting. Uh, the film stars uh, Beaches Dow, who, or Dali, if you prefer. Uh, she's actually um, a huge star in France. Um, she was a big sex symbol back in the 80s, and uh, this, this here was uh, when she was in her late 30s. And then it also stars Alison Paradis. Uh, those are the two co-stars of the film. Uh, there's a handful of other folks in the film, uh, but... Uh, who are fairly well-known in France, but, but are, are much smaller parts in the film. Uh, the film has received uh, generally positive reviews and uh, 
most horror websites such as Dread Central and Bloody Disgusting and all the the other ones like that, I'll consider this a a horror classic. Um, so that's pretty much uh, what I got here. So I guess we can go around and discuss uh, how we heard about this film and our first experience watching it and uh, our experience uh, rewatching it if uh, it isn't our first time watch. So uh, let's have you, Mike. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I this like I said, so it came out 2008. It got a lot of buzz at the time, um, and I think I had watched it before I had done the podcast uh, back in the day. <laughs> it probably had I'd heard about it listening to something like Horror, etc., or Bloody Good Horror, or one of those others. Um, and the French, same way like at Martyrs, because Martyrs, I think we covered fairly early. Um, and there's this whole, the, the French New Wave thing was happening, or it just happened, or depending on, on how it's categorized in shutters, still is happening. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure French New Wave was ever actually a thing. Um, nevertheless, uh, yeah, so I saw it, and it was effectively creepy, um, and disturbing, and it's very much a, um... I know I don't know that people would call it a torture porn film, but you could you could almost go there because it's a lot of body mutilation going on. There's a lot of cringy moments, uh, and I mean that in a good way. Uh, I think they are smart to keep it at an 80 minute length. Um, it, it is also something I think is definitely going to affect uh, members of the fairer sex, probably uh, more so than us, uh, just because of the nature of the topic. Uh, which, again, is appropriate given that we are leading it to Mother's Day. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty brutal. Um, and, and I and very high recommend if you're somebody who's into extreme horror. On the other hand, if you're like uh, the squeamish sort, then uh, maybe not. All right. Sounds good. I was going to do Eric. Uh, yeah, I I probably also heard about this through horror, et cetera, back in the day. Uh, and Watched it on disc from Netflix. Um, <laughs> and uh, the first time I watched this movie, it left it left an impact um, because of the brutal violence uh, in the movie. I don't think I'd ever seen anything quite like it at the time. Um, so, but when I, when I went to rewatch it last night, I suddenly realized that I really didn't have any specific memories of the movie. I just had this overall impression of brutal violence. I didn't like remember the details. So I started watching the movie last night and for about the first 30 minutes, I'm like, huh, this isn't that bad. <laughs> and then, <laughs> little after 30 minutes in the movie goes from zero to a hundred and two seconds flat. I'm just like, what? Oh, yeah, okay, that's more like what I remember. <laughs> so if you are into violence in movies, uh, there's some violence in this one, um, some pretty disturbing things. Some of the special effects don't really hold up that well 15 minutes later, but really I think the psychological effects of the acts happening in the movie uh, is is more important than the the realism of the effects it still makes you cringe. Um, so yeah, if you're if you're into brutal violence, uh, check out Inside. 
get some help. All right, sounds good. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I actually heard about it uh, by uh, uh, walking down the aisles of Best Buy. Uh, basically, uh, back in the day, Dimension, uh, which is owned by Lionsgate, I believe, uh, which is like extreme, scary, or, or thriller-type stuff, uh, was released in a bunch of discs. And inside happened to be one of like the, the 20 or so from the Dimension line that they were really pushing back in 2008, 2009 uh, on disc. And um, so I saw it there, and uh, I picked it up because Dimension was, was releasing some, some pretty good films at the, at the time, um, including uh, films from foreign countries, from Australia to, uh, in this case, France. Um, and, and, yeah, this one here... Um, I hadn't seen it since, I think, 2008 when it came out. But I do remember that I liked it a whole lot. And um, I do remember, um, similar to Eric, is I, I forgot a lot, though I do remember it was extreme, and I do remember the, the end scene. And the thing that but I did remember the most about the film was a somewhat innocuous scene where you see the silhouette just barely of someone looking in a glass door or at, at another character. And that creeped me the hell out when I first saw the film. And that left a major impression to me more than anything else that we see in the film. Um, but all in all, what's that? Scarier than a bear. It, it, it was pretty, yeah, because it was a person. <laughs> because people suck. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, a intense film. It was a scary film. It was a horrific film. Uh, there was a big twist at the end, and uh, whether you 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 hate the antagonist or like the antagonist by the end, uh, I could see you going either way uh, because of uh, um, yeah what what happens, and I won't explain it until we get into further details. But all in all, uh, it's a great film. Um, it was a long overdue film for us to discuss. Um, it was a film that like Mike said, came out just a couple of years before we started the podcast. So it was always a film that we could have done. But uh, as, as folks know who listen to the podcast, we, we try to do uh, more um, new releases. And even though this film was, quote-unquote, a new release in our terms back in 2013 when we started the podcast, it was still six years old at the time. Uh, but all in all, yeah, it's, it's a great film. Uh, I recommend just make sure you don't, uh, go in expecting a regular slasher because this film is may not be a good date film and it may not be a good film to show your parents. Uh, let's go with you, Barrett. Yeah, so the first time I heard about this film was last week when you guys said we were going to watch it. Um, I have never seen it before. As everyone knows, I am not a big subtitle person, but you guys are kind of breaking me out of my shell and I'm getting to watch a lot more stuff and it most of it's pretty good, so um, it's a good shell to get out of. Um, I really like this film. It is definitely violent. Um, I'm someone who loves the Saw films. I love the Hostel movies, and there were still some things in this movie that bothered me, um, <laughs> and it's it's hard to bother me with stuff like this anymore, and it still had some really rough scenes. It crossed some lines, didn't it? (laughs) It definitely crossed lines, and I think that um, 
like you said, the fair sex might be bothered a little more by this because of some of the scenes. Um, it was definitely worth watching. There is one, and I wouldn't even say it's an issue. I I have issues with totally nihilistic movies, and I kind of felt like this was that. Kind of like Strangers was for. Me. Yeah, we yeah. can talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's definitely a good good analogy right there. Yeah, absolutely. So I still loved it, but it just crosses that line to where I'm like, ah, damn it. So, <laughs> but Barrett, Barrett, you love Strangers though, right? I did, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah. like some nihilistic. But there's this, there's this feeling that I get from those that I don't like. Um, right. I, I can't really explain it, but it's something about the nihilism that just really brings me down. So anyway, I, it's a great film. Take caution in seeing it, especially with who you see it with. Because um, it is very violent. Uh, now, one thing I want to bring up that Mike and Barrett both brought up about a woman and, and, and watching the film. The one thing we can say is the antagonist, as well as the protagonist, are both women. And so this is this is no matter what happens, at least it's not um, male violence upon uh, females. Agreed. Uh, that might have made it harder. I think. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. All you have to do is watch an Australian film. Honestly, to see that, you know. I, I think if it was male, it would, it would, it would bring it into tasteless category rather. Than I agree. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. That, so then sick. it would just be violence for the sake of violence, whereas this has an actual plotted story. <laughs> right, and, and it has it has a uh, a true reason why the antagonist is doing what the antagonist who we, we did mention is a woman. Uh, I also what you take their goddamn time letting you in on what it is. Sure yes, do. they oh, do. I, I kind of knew what it was because I'm pretty sure I... Well, Lottie frickin' da. Well, no, I'm going to say because in the, <laughs> the, the most disturbing part of this, I'm pretty sure I've seen this... I remember a story like this happening in actual fucking real life. So... Yikes. Um. Yeah. Uh, and then another but one. How I did, think, but how did you know it was going to happen in this film? Like, because I just kind of suspected that gotcha. this is where they were headed with it. Gotcha. Um. It just, because of the setup. <laughs> it's like, why is this person doing this to this particular person at this particular time? And I think that was recent. I'm mean, certainly a disturbing enough story. I mean, we all read enough or hear enough uh, stories of people doing fucked up things to other people. So for something to stick out like that, got to be pretty fucked up. And that's one of them. And I don't know if this was inspired by it, if they even knew it happened. Um, and I know another one happened relatively recently. You know why? Uh, because people suck. Oh. True. Yeah, ironically, yeah, right. ironically enough, I'm reading Grilling Jeffrey Dahmer right now. Oh, God. <laughs> and <laughs> is it Grilling about... Jeffrey Dahmer or Grilling with Jeffrey Dahmer? It's called Grilling Jeffrey Dahmer because it's all his confessions to the cops. So talk about grim. <laughs> this added to that, watching this last night. Indeed, indeed. Well, all right. So uh, either way, um, it appears that we all enjoyed this film uh, as 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 a horror film 
as, as it is, because again, as Barrett mentioned, it's nihilistic, and we all mentioned that it is uh, extreme horror, and Barrett also mentioned torture porn and whatnot. Uh, but all in all, uh, as a horror film or a thriller, uh, th- this is top notch, and I think we all agreed on that. Uh, just beware. So, uh, Eric, uh, do we have a wiki? Wiki, wiki. Um. <laughs> Sorry, I had a I had a Leatherface because you were talking about that earlier. <laughs> okay, here we go. Four months after the death of her husband, a woman on the brink of motherhood is tormented in her home by a strange woman who wants her unborn baby. Ooh, oh, that's, that's, just that's everything that's, away. Those bastards. <laughs> terrible, terrible IMDb or wiki or whatever you want to call it. It sucks. Horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went in blind when I when I saw the film originally. I just bought the the DVD and popped it in that night, and I was like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" But um, yeah, that kind of ruins everything. Um, so uh, you can bleep it out if you want. <laughs> no, no, I'm not going to bleep it out because again, the film is 16 years old. Most folks who are horror fans should probably have known about the film or heard of it or at least seen it. And again. Uh, that's right there on IMDb and Wiki and all the other places, so it is what it is. Um, now, uh, so let's get into our, uh, what we do here on Dark Discussions. So basically what we do here on Dark Discussions is basically um, not just review a film, which we somewhat just did, but we also critique and dissect uh, the film as well. So at a certain point, we'll throw up a spoiler alert, and we'll talk about everything and anything, including... Uh, the spoilery stuff uh, and endings and the twists and all that other stuff uh, because, again, we try to uh, dissect and understand what uh, the film is trying to say because, again, as, as Barrett and Eric mentioned, if you know they switched the, the genders of the antagonists, this film would, would have a completely different perspective. So uh, we try to get into uh, uh, further things than just saying – you know, thumbs up or thumbs down, as uh, Ebert and Siskel used to do. Um, all right, so uh, what we do at first, before we do throw up the spoiler alert, is talk about general stuff. So uh, that would include maybe some of the, the, the performers, uh, the directors, uh, the French extreme horror films, maybe um, general slashers, because this, this is actually oddly considered a slasher, and it kind of is. Uh, so we will talk about general stuff. Um, and whatnot before we get into the spoiler section. So at this point, we're just going to talk about general stuff. So, uh, Mike, Mike, uh, I know you specifically um, have seen a lot of the extreme films specifically because of uh, uh, a Scares of Care panel that you happened to uh, be asked to join back about well, three or four years yeah, my, uh, ago. Uh, uh, Tobin Davis had asked me. Yeah, yeah. The one, yeah, well, I'm going to bleep her name out because uh, – uh, she, she, she um, and me had a big fight on Facebook about um, a certain actress. Uh, but uh, either way, I, yeah, I'm not friends with her, and I, I, I don't like her because of what she said to me. But yeah, um, yeah, I'll bleep her name out. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, I don't want to promote someone that that's a dink. Um, so either way, uh, I'll talk to you after about it. You'll remember when when I when I uh, you let Eric go to Scansity all the time. Eric's <laughs> a good guy. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I know you had to watch a bunch of those extreme films because uh, this individual uh, that asked you to do the panel, um, she uh, was doing the panel on French extreme films, and and of course she was a complete 
idiot because she also did a, a Belgian film, which which was not a French film at all. So, um, and I told her that it, it wasn't, but she, um, whatever. So either way, um, so you've seen a lot of these films. So, uh, what's your uh, feelings on, on th- these type of films and and stuff? Now, I so I would have done this about 2015, 2016. Uh, the French New Wave basically started in the. Oh, it was either the late '90s or the early 2000s. Um, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, was, I think it was "Irreversible" by Gaspar No or No Way, whatever you pronounce it. Yeah, uh, was the first one. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Right, and my impression of it at the time was that really uh, there isn't a lot underlying it, other than the fact that. There's some brutal horror films from France, but you know you can get brutal horror films in the United States and and Japan and wherever and Japan and, and other places. So I don't know that it's actually a thing. Like there's no like common unifying theme. Um, there's no visual style. Like if you you talk about the uh, the giallos, there's no uh, there's really not much of a point to them cohesively, right? So to where I would right. say, it's, uh, I guess it's just just they're from France and they and they speak French in them. Is, is really all of it. Yeah. yeah. Um. So I don't I don't see it as personally as much of a a movement in that regard, and I think it just happens to be a bunch of fucking sick twisted French shit. And uh, whether you consider that to be a good or bad thing is a whole other matter. And and, and it came out in, a, in about a ten year period, probably right. Yeah, and and it was uh, yeah we were only talking a handful of films at the time, and um, I don't know it's and, and they cover a wide range like you know there's 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 irreversible is is a, certainly a gimmicky uh, kind of uh, rape revenge film, um, and then you get this uh, was it its own thing and um, oh, what was the one about the two the cannibal couple. Um, Oh yeah, but that was the cannibal couple. That was the one from that's from Belgium. That was called Calvarate or something like that. And then there was Frontiers. What? What? Yeah, the cannibal couple. That was the Belgian film, right? No, that's yeah. not the one. Oh, then which one are you talking about? The Frontiers? You're talking about Frontiers? Are you talking about Raw? What it was called, I would be able to tell you, but I'm blanking what it was called. Raw. That was Belgian too. That wasn't. Yeah. Um, you don't but, know the film we're talking about, so how can you say it's Belgian? Well, Raw. It was Raw. Yeah. The, okay. Well, there was another oh, one. Not after that. Let's see. That began, and I swore that was Cannibals too. But either way, continue, Mike. I'm, I'm sorry. We're just trying to figure out the film for you. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. It's 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 available. You'll see a lot of these on um, uh, what do you call on Shutter? Uh, they they have uh, uh, their own little uh, set of featured uh, sub channel, I guess, on 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 Shutter. So if you're interested in watching them, uh, you can. And I just had to watch them all in about a month, which made it for a really, really kind of disturbing month. Uh, <laughs> because it's the kind of thing where I had a deadline. I had to get them done. And I couldn't just, you know, like, ah, oh, well, I need I need to, to you know, go recoup for a while. Um, I, I, like, crammed them in pretty quick. Uh, yeah, and there, there's some they're, – they're, they're different. Um, I know I, like, I liked uh, – I like. I wasn't a huge fan of Irreversible, which I know has just come out with a uh, on a disc where it it, it reverses Irreversible. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. The gimmick to Irreversible that it is that it tells its story backwards. Um, 
And it's a rape revenge film. And I think that if it didn't tell the story backwards, it's really not that spectacular a story. Um, and it's mostly noted for the fact that it has, what is it, like a 20 minute rape scene? It's a fairly long. Yeah, something like that, yeah. I don't know if it's 20, maybe eight minutes. It was just, it's just, it's, it's uncomfortable. And it's too not, long. It is too long. And it's, you know, it's not trying to glorify it. And part of the, the horror of the film is watching it, knowing you're watching it in reverse, and then realizing that this is what is you're leading up to. You are leading up to uh, a character being raped. And if you get rid of the fact that it's told in reverse, it's a pretty standard film with a very long and uncomfortable rape scene. Okay. Um, Can we get back to tonight's movie? No. Anyway, so anyway, um, so like that one I didn't like. There's some I liked, there's some I didn't like. And uh, but this is, I think, top notch. I would say this and Martyrs are the two, for me, the two best. Um, and I think to say this film is an instant. I know it's, it's 15 years old. It's an instant classic because people thought it was great then, and I don't think that's ever gone away. It's something that's that can be certainly hyperbole. Uh, hyperbole. Um, to say something's an instant classic, I think this really was. Uh, and anybody who said it at the time was absolutely right. You've seen a lot of instant classics go by the wayside. Uh, but no, this one's good. This one's really, really just fantastic. And it's a, one of the best examples from that. And if you're interested, like I said, go check out Shudder. Uh, and uh, we'll see more. Yep. All right. Very, very good. Uh, so I, yeah, good. I thought go the ahead. effects were really well done. They seemed practical and uh they they got me so they looked real enough for me to be like in uh anguish over some of them so definitely that was one of the things i thought was very strong about this film let me ask you eric because you're the one that said that 15 minutes later they didn't hold up for 15 you and years. I, 15 years i'm sorry so i i i'm i'm concur with Barrett, so I'm curious uh, your thoughts. And, and oh, but I'm not talking about what Eric was probably talking about, which was the baby scenes. I don't know. Yeah, what well, we'll, we'll get to a post-spoiler. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I would concur with Mike. It, it's one of those films that when when the horror fans saw it years ago, uh, they thought it was an, an instant classic. Um, and one of those films like Texas Chainsaw Massacre that uh, a lot of people poo-pooed because it was too gruesome or whatever in their opinion. And then now, 16 years later, actually you can say it's a great film too. So uh, I think I think it's it, even though it's not on the the mind of people as it was back in 2007, 2008. Um, I think it's it's remarkable. Um, uh, Acclaim uh, is has grown in that sense that that people who would have poo-pooed it 16 years ago because of it, they feeling it was offensive would now look at it just similar to like Descent. Descent was another one because oh it's all women that are getting murdered and the director's a misogynist and all that crap. And then of course you know five, ten, fifteen years later, people look at that film just like inside and say oh no no these are classic films no, these are these are instant classics they're not. Well, and this this film made me realize, you know, how I'm missing some good stuff by avoiding subtitled movies. This was really good. Yeah, so, that's, that's the see now you're getting it. 
Yeah. And here's the yeah. thing: you're, you're you're missing the best stuff is the stuff people tell you to watch. If someone tells you to watch a shitty film <laughs> that's in for, that's subtitled, uh, they're doing you wrong because there's no reason to sit through a shitty subtitled film. Uh, but yeah, there's definitely a bunch of really good ones that are worth the watch. Yeah, you guys have not led me astray on that. Right, right. I actually, I think the worst subtitled film I ever saw was Skinnerink because it, because you couldn't hear anything. They had to actually subtitle the film. Okay, okay. Let's move on. I'll move on. Wrong. Yeah, I'll move on. What do you expect from those Canadians? Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's um, usually, and that's the thing is that like there's lots and lots and lots of Japanese horror films and French horror films, or whatever, that don't make it to the US of A at least back in the day because back in the day you know they didn't have VOD where you know it costs nothing to just pop a film on shutter and and you just watch it um back in the day they had to print it and put it on on disc and all this other stuff which costs money and if it doesn't sell they're screwed so back in the day when people recommended a foreign language film, whether it was dubbed or subtitled, uh, it usually was a pretty good film or had something of note that made it important or noteworthy. And and so Mike is absolutely right because, you know, for every um, inside or every The Ring, there's, you know, 50 or 60 other films that were made in, in Japan or, or France or wherever that are decent, but they weren't going to make it to the United States at, at that time because, you know, they're just another slasher or another whatever. And so for a film like Inside to hold up 16 years later, never mind for the fact to get a, a major release by a company like Lionsgate, uh, that shows you that, that it had to be a pretty decent film. So, so yeah, uh, Mike is absolutely right, Barrett, that um, if someone recommends a subtitled film, um, it's probably going to be half decent. It's not right. great. Yeah. yeah. Not all foreign films are great or, films, but if, if somebody recommends one to you, you should probably check it out. Well, there are some yeah. people I would not take recommendations. Yeah, you, know, you, you guys, I will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've experienced that a few times, including some of our listeners that I will not name uh, because they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> Save me the base. <laughs> uh, I, I, I did not hear who you said. Eric, Never mind. Moving on. I'll, I'll, I'll take your word. Um, so yeah, yes, it's it's. Uh, uh, so Barrett understands that not only do you listen, but you listen to the, the correct people. Um, let's see. So what else did uh, folks want to mention? Uh, that's general to, um, I guess, this type of movie or uh, the French film in general, or well. It's not really plot related because it doesn't come up later, but I thought the nurse was going to be like a Chekhov's nurse <laughs> in the very well, beginning. I got very confused last night when I was rewatching because for a second I thought the woman was the nurse. Yeah, I did too, and I think they wanted us That's to That's what think I remembered. That. Well, I don't think they, they did want you to know that because if, if you watch this in France, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, you don't know who it is, but once you see the face of the lead antagonist, Everybody in France would know who that actress is because she's like as huge as you know like Angelina Jolie is in the United States. So, 
but you're right. You don't get to see her face until like 40 minutes into the film maybe. And, and as a result, I could see people thinking that the nurse was a Chekhov's gun. But in reality, I think it was a, um, a, a red herring. Yeah. yeah, it was because she was so antagonistic, but you don't ever see her again. And, it's kinda, and, and, and she has has a similar uh, features too, and, and I think that's intentional. The actress and probably, smoking, yeah, yeah smoking. Yeah, that's she's true. smoking, yeah. and yeah. she says how she lost her baby, um, like the, that she gave birth, the first child was dead. So like, oh yeah, yeah. implies there's something fucked up with this woman. Not because she lost a child, but you know, you're in a horror film. You're waiting for someone to have a fucked up motive somewhere. Right. Uh, well, well, and just just to talk about such a thing nonchalantly is is kind of like yeah, there's something wrong with a stranger. Point. Yeah, yeah, a stranger yeah. who is pregnant, who is pregnant, right. yeah, imminently yeah. ready to give birth. Right <laughs> now, now I, I don't. Also, I felt I was wondering if that scene um, was intentional to make us not like the protagonist as much as we should, because her response, even though it was right. And the word she uses it, and I'll say it since it's it's from the film. What? Uh, she she calls the the nurse a twat. Exactly. So, and I was like, oh, that's kind of rude because even though the nurse, well, the nurse deserved it. But I'm not smoking I'm not right next to her in a place she's not even supposed to smoke. <laughs> right, right. I'm not disagreeing, but but again, most folk, and I'm not saying all of us, but most folk, including myself, would still try to be polite. Most and, folk are weak. Well, you, you, right. Well, nowadays you want to, you, have, you have to be weak because you never know if they're gonna they're gonna pull a gun out and shoot you in the head or something. But the the thing was is that nurse said all these weird things that were inappropriate, and she was smoking, which was illegal at that time in the hospital because even another nurse says, yeah, you, you can't smoke in here. Um, she is called a terrible word by our protagonist when. But- I was expecting the protagonist to say nothing or just move on and, you know, whatever. And, and instead she actually said something quite rude back. Well, even is, if it is was, that word considered as bad there as it would be here? Or, I mean, is I don't it, even I think it's that bad. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I don't think so either, but I'm just. Maybe I'm, not, because in, in England, right, they, they all use the C word as if it's so. like. That's what I'm wondering, yeah. Yeah, so you could be right. It may just be one of those words that in France that it's no big deal, but it's just, yeah, whatever. Um, Well, you know what? They have a special word for people that are rude, and it's called French. (laughs) I I don't know that 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 might just be their their, their decorum. I I don't know. Well, Um, I'll tell you one thing. I think that's overblown because – the normal people like myself and Mike, who are are, are, are northeasterners, the north the, the northeasterners of the United States, I just want to be left alone. However, when we people do approach us, we're kind of polite, uh, but we just want to be left alone. So, when my experience in France, when I went there for work, uh, they remind me of northeasterners. So well, they everybody. Everybody, you know, vo- you know, minding their own business, and then when you ask them for help, they're they're as polite as can be. Well, but, and in the South, they pretend to be very friendly, and they're not as friendly behind your back. <laughs> so there you go, there you go. So, so uh, yeah, so I think I think uh, it's it's a misnomer that that the French are 
are rude. If, if, if anything, they're just like New Englanders or or Northeasterners. If you want to add New York and Pennsylvania, and yeah, you're all a bunch of bastards. That's right, exactly. Um, so, so let's let's get into uh, other things about the film. Basically, back in that time, there were uh, a lot of uh, riots that were occurring uh, with um, a minority group in France. And if we see, you know, you can see it in Frontiers, and you see it in a bunch of other films that were, all came out at the same time. Basically, uh, a lot of uh, North African. Um, immigrants, uh, their children, specifically not not the immigrants themselves, but but their their children, the second generation or first generation, uh, began rioting in the streets because they, I assume, uh, felt they were feeling like second class citizens because their last names were weren't necessarily French last names, and so there was big riots back in the day, and so this film here takes place prominently in that. Uh, time frame, and um, and one of the um, characters is actually a, a rioter that, that has been arrested by police. Uh, it isn't as focused on it as the movie Frontiers, because uh, Frontiers, that film uh, that uh, me and Mike saw, and maybe the, uh, you too, Eric, um, the, all the main characters are the the um, rioters, um, but here, it, it, it's just a secondary thing that's in the background. Um, so I, I don't think it was a major plot point as as it was um, in Frontiers. But but it was noted, and one of the characters. Happened. No, the reason it was in this movie is so they could have somebody in the car with the police. Yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> the poor bastard. Yeah, yeah. yeah they they should increase the body count. Yeah, yeah, they, they should have just the poor. They should have just left the guy in the in the cop car. I don't see what the big deal was. Why they had to bring him in? That was stupid. <laughs> uh, or, or just let him go uh, if he didn't do anything bad. Uh, because a lot of cops will just say, you know what, you know, you're just friggin' uh, uh, spitting on the sidewalk. Just get the hell out of here. I got a bigger fish to fry at the moment. Um, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Eric. Uh, it, it places the film at a specific specific time. In French history, but also it was it was mainly to just have an extra person, I think. So I think you're right, Mark. Uh What else? Anything else anybody want to bring up? All right. So at this time, uh, as we mentioned, uh, we're going to throw up a spoiler alert. Uh, again, this is a 16-year-old film, and, and it wouldn't be surprising that most folk in our age group um, – would would have already seen this film. I know a lot of our younger listeners uh, may have not seen the film, just as they haven't seen uh, even older films, such as uh, Halloween or, or the thing. I, I know even Anthony Thurber, who's only about ten years younger than us, he hadn't seen John Carpenter's thing until like four years ago. So, so there's a chance that a lot of folks may have not seen this film. But again, it is a 16 year old film. It's considered a classic, uh, and as we always do, we throw up a spoiler alert. So, if you haven't seen the film, you can watch it now, VOD anywhere. You can buy a disc. Um, you can you can watch it for free on Tubi if you want. And it is uh, uh, <laughs> readily available anywhere the films can be found. So, spoiler uh, alert is up, and uh, we will uh, um, discuss the, the film in, in detail now. All right, so where do we want to start? So, what, what is it? So, it's basically uh, a woman, uh, there's a car accident, and there's a woman's husband is dead. And yeah, I guess they don't use airbags in France. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess not. I, I don't know what the hell's going on there. 
And, uh, and there's like a little monologue too, but you don't know who's speaking. Right, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a monologue so, from the point of view of the fetus. Right. <laughs> yes. It's just a little weird. Yeah, I guess. All right, so um, car accident. Woman's husband's dead. She's now a widow, and she's uh, with child. And uh, that's that's basically where it starts, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And right, we move so, quickly, like mm-hmm. six months later, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, five, I think it's four months, but it could be six years, something like that. Something like that. Yeah, three, four, whatever. Yeah, it's all the same. Later. Um, all right, so uh, where do we want to start? What do we want to talk about? Uh, um, first thing I want to talk about is something I caught this time watching it that I don't think I caught the first time, which is that they very cleverly established the fact <clears throat> that Sarah's boss had not met her mother yet. Yeah, they definitely clearly established that. Yeah, so, so <laughs> it actually comes up later in the movie, and it's like, Okay, that's why they dropped that in the dialogue. <laughs> right. Well, and it, it makes sense, you know. You know how many, you know, my uh, parents wouldn't meet my bosses, right? I mean, who who's right, parents? Right. Yeah. You know. I mean, I know my father. He may have met my boss at the time because uh, she came to my wedding, but otherwise, yeah. You know, unless you have some big event, you, you know, they're not going to meet. So it makes sense, but of course, they drop that line. So we're not confused later in the film. So uh, it makes sense that they would drop that line, if it, even if it wouldn't be normal conversation. It's clever because the mother's kind of like, are you going to hook up with them? Is he going to be your your new man? She's like, no, mom. <laughs> and he's a lot older than her, so that just seemed weird. Well, I got to say, that's just like really because weird because she's presumably pregnant with the, you know, the, the I, I guessing husband's child. It's only Yeah, but he's dead, so time to move on. Yeah, she's probably still grieving, though. I mean, it hasn't been All that right. long. Come on, mom says so. Yeah. Oh fuck it, son! Uh, fuck it, daughter! Go, 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 go! Have another, another child uh, with, with, this, with your boss. Go fuck your boss. This is clearly from the well, free Me Too movement. Well, and and, and to be fair, I, I see the point. But but to be fair, you know, you know, you have a a child that is uh, single and probably. Uh, doesn't want to be single, obviously, because of what happened. And maybe she's just thrown out suggestions here or there. And I don't know if it was – it sounded more innocuous than than being rude, in my opinion. But, you know, this is what parents do. That's all. Yeah. French parents, yeah. maybe. Yeah. What was that, Mike? French parents, maybe. Because <laughs> they're rude. Well, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I don't know. I mean, All right, let's move on. Yeah, we'll move on. So, uh, my job on this podcast is almost entirely keeping Mike and Phil from arguing at this point. <laughs> fair, fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so, but but the the mother. Um, I mean, the, the mother does have a point, which is the daughter is is grieving, and even though it's four or six months later, something like that accident and the death of the person you love 
isn't going to go away. But as as we know, just you know, normal mental health and behavioral health reasons, never mind just life in general. You know, you have to somehow at some point move on. Uh, otherwise, you know, you, you're not going to survive um, and survive with quotes around it, and not necessarily die, but so, you know, you'll you just won't have a happy life. So. The mother obviously is just trying to look out for the daughter, trying to have her um, be happy. That's At least what from I'm, her perspective. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, obviously, maybe, maybe saying, well, you know, I mean, eventually, you're going to have that at least one point where the the mother's going to say, "Oh, the guy that your next door neighbor that I saw you talking to, uh, could he be somebody?" So. For her to say, oh, the the guy that you work for, could he be somebody? It, it just makes sense, and but it gives you, once, and it moves on. It but move it on. gives but you a, an idea of her character by the way she's suggesting it, how soon it's been since the accident and stuff like that. Um, but you know, but you know what? She has a right to ask this question, I think, because she, it's Christmas Day. This is December twenty fourth when the film takes place, and the next day. It's Christmas, and the mother was supposed to have her daughter over for Christmas, and the daughter says, no, I'm going over to my boss's house. So it makes sense that the mother would ask that question then. Oh, is it – why aren't you spending it? Yeah, then, yeah, you're right. I hadn't thought about yeah. it from that perspective. I can see her doing it, but it's still – Is that what was happening? Yeah. Was yeah, that, that is exactly that She was getting happened. induced on Christmas, and he was giving her a ride. That's yeah. – that, oh, well, that is true too. That is true too, yeah. That's a fair point. Eric. So, but she told yeah. her mom that she was spending time with them on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah, I can see her wanting to ask about that. But, again, asking if they're going to get together this soon after the death of her husband. And she's pregnant with the guys, that her dead husband's kid. I don't know. It just seemed kind of insensitive to me. Well, well, it's also weird, though, because it's like, why would she ask her boss and the boss say, okay, I'll bring you to the hospital instead of asking a family member or her mother. You know what I'm saying? So well, I can see the mother I being we were, confused. I, I thought we were meant to infer that the relationship between the mother and daughter is very strained. That's she what I thought. She addressed yeah. her mother by her first name. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't sure if that right. was meant to – if that was the thing or if this is like some weird French custom I didn't know about. No, I'm pretty sure it's rude there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen enough French films where they go, "Mama, mama," you know. So when she doesn't mama. call her her mama, mama, you, you know that okay, yeah, that's just it's probably strained. Yeah, but again, though, is it strained yeah. because of the that's mother, mama. or is it strained because she's just in a massive funk because of the unfortunate accident? Yeah, I, the situation I think it was way before the accident. Yeah, I think so too because. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like you said, she's calling her by her first name. Um, that means their relationship is not normal that we would know of, you know. For sure, sure. Is, Yeah, they don't, get, they don't get along as well as they should. Obviously. Right, right. Um, so, so that's pretty much the setup. Um, it's, it's December 24th. She's going to be induced. On Christmas Day, because uh, the baby's a, uh, a week or so late, so the doctor, for some reason, want, wants to induce her on Christmas Day instead of doing it a couple of days earlier or, or, or a couple of days later. So, 
I have a question on this. Yeah. And it's and the reason I'm going to ask it is because I forgot about it while I was watching it that it was Christmas Day. There was nothing up. Do they not celebrate Christmas there? I mean, that's not no, actually. I'll tell you what it is. The the um the woman, the protagonist, uh, she intentionally doesn't set up because that's something she would have done with her husband and whatever, and, and so she just. But I think if they'd have set it up somewhere else where I could see decorations or something, it would have stuck with me better. But because yeah, they didn't, true. it felt like it was that whole part of the story seemed like it was out of place when it was. So when you get into the meat of the story, that falls by the wayside to me, and it just, you know. Well, yeah, I, I concur. I mean, again, there wasn't many um, locations. There's the, the hospital room and the waiting room area. There's the, the park. And then the rest of the film takes place at her house. So right. there wasn't many opportunities to show Christmas items. However, you're right. They could have just put in like a four-second cut in of a, a Christmas tree at the hospital. And then boom. That was fun. We, right. That, Something. That I mean, you see those places get decorated when you go to them. If you have, to yeah, you, you have people say Merry Christmas the day before. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Uh, I mean, not Eric, but the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, maybe and, they say Happy Christmas like in Britain there. I don't know, but something would have helped me keep that in mind while. Oh, no, they just say twat. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, actually, merry and and happy are probably the same word in in France. Similar to like instead of using the word inside, they use interior. Right. I mean, that's the name of the French version of the film. Is it's called the interior instead of the inside. And and when they translate it to the uh, English. They, they called it inside rather than interior because, again, in, fr- in France, you know, the words basically mean the same to them. Interior is inside. So You would have heard maybe, interior and thought it was a home design show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man, I'd love to secretly watch that audience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's great, Eric. Oh, awesome. That went into that today. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Um, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I could see. You're right. I kept on forgetting too that it was it was Christmas too, and it wasn't a big and, complaint. Well, it's it's, it's not central things. to the plot, so it doesn't. It's not. It's really. not. It's just it. It I would have liked to have remembered that as I'm watching it because it does. It's not central to the plot, but it seems significant to me. I don't know. Well, why, it, I'll tell you why it's significant because it makes the motivations of all the characters different. Because it's like if it wasn't Christmas Day, she was going to be induced. Then it's no big deal if the the boss drives her instead of her mother, and you know all these other things are that occur. And again, a lot of that just may mean red herrings or just extra additional things to make us build the character relationships, or it could be completely stuff that Christy. Uh, Schoonover, if she was joining us, we would be able to ex- explain. Oh, no. Uh, it was Jesus' birthday, right? Yeah, yeah. If the director is trying to buy <laughs> something. Like, yeah. Let's move on, shall we? Yeah. So, so, so yeah, it, it is curious why they set it for Christmas, though. Because well, I don't right. think it's a coincidence that they set it at Christmas. Um, Sorry, Eric. I'm sure they they did mean something by it. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely something. 
you know, that's what, what exactly they meant. Right, right, exactly. Same here, same here. Like, yeah. So it was intentional. There's a reason. If any listeners have any uh, uh, ideas or their opinions, uh, they can email us at darkdiscussions at AOL.com and just put in the email subject inside, and we'll know uh, you're specifically talking about this episode here, and we'll read your emails on the podcast because we are definitely curious to hear our listeners' opinions as well uh, on on certain points of the film and, and, and what they feel uh, the screenwriter decided to uh, make the film I guess take place during the Christmas holiday. Um, so this is a Christmas movie. There you go. Just like Die Hard. Yeah. Throw it on your Christmas stack. Exactly. There you go. Die Hard, <laughs> Inside, Lethal Weapon, Fat Man. Silent Night. Silent Night. That's awesome. Silent Night, Deadly Night. Yeah. 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 Those are good. Um, <laughs> Love it. Eric's winning the internet today. If that's right. uh, so oh, this works fine for both uh, Mother's Day and Christmas. There you yes. go. There you go. Um, so uh, where do we want to go from here? So that's the setup, uh, and um, she's going to spend Christmas Eve alone, um, and then be picked up uh, sometime during Christmas Day by her boss to be brought to the hospital to be induced. Uh, for the pregnancy. And uh, it's night. And she's alone at home watching TV, talking to her mother and on the phone and uh, various reading and, and falling asleep on the chair and things of that nature. Uh, and having nightmares too. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting. Mike, uh, I know you're not an, uh, a dream sequence person, but she has uh, one about the pregnancy. Obviously something about the pregnancy is bothering her, and I don't. I don't think it's her being a mother, but I think it's her being reminded of the sadness of losing her husband, and the baby will remind her of that for the rest of her life. And and so I think that's maybe where the, they're trying to get at with the dream sequence and her her uh, melancholy um, and her thoughts about the pregnancy more than. Than the pregnancy itself, it's it's the the loss of her husband. I think I think that's everything that's behind the character, uh, our protagonist. Any thoughts Doesn't on that? She basically throw that thing up. Um, yeah, that's part of the, the dream sequence. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah exactly. I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, she she falls asleep on her chair on her chair in the living room or family room, den, whatever you want to call it, and she wakes up feeling sick and she can't make it to the bathroom and throws up on the floor and then she ha- begins to have a, uh, um, a seizure and then she throws up uh, or the baby crawls out of her mouth and then she wakes up. Boom. So obviously they're, they're trying to say something. My opinion is, is that they're trying to say that the loss of the husband and and everything about her life will always bring her back to the loss of the husband, and the baby will be a daily reminder of that. Um, and, and that's what I think. I don't I don't know what anybody else thinks. Um, is she regretting being pregnant? Is it something else? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm that's kind of what I was feeling from that. Is that she was she was 
not looking forward to the baby being born, and maybe it was because her husband died, um, and all that was shattered. Um, that's well, kind of you know like, say, like she was rejecting it almost. Go ahead, Mike. Like, I said it could always she should should have cheered up because it could always have gotten worse. <laughs> well, and that, that's the thing is that I think she's. Um, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know where else to go on that except that that um, the the baby. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just think, yeah, it, it's something to do with the husband and the loss of the husband. And um, well, you know what? It may, the baby was going to represent the happiness where she was looking forward. She, obviously, she loved her husband a lot, and they were happily married, and they were excited to have a baby and start a family and, and live a life, um, you know, that would include uh, a family and watching the, the child grow and whatever. And now that's gone. And so the, but the child's still coming, and, and that kind of doesn't make her happy. Um, again, not necessarily because of the baby, but because of the feelings that – result from having the baby without the husband there. Um, what else do we want to talk about? Where do we want to go from there? Uh, so we talked about the dream sequence, um, and we talked about her strange relationship with her mother. Talk about the silhouette. Yeah, the silhouette. Let's talk about that. That's a really that, cool scene. That was the scene, Barrett, last week when we were talking about the film after – we recorded our last episode. I was going to bring up. I go, oh my god! When you see the scene, and then Eric says, "Phil, Phil, don't say anything. Let him watch it." <laughs> but that—that that was the scene. That scene has stuck with me for 16 years because that scene freaked the hell out of me. It was. Well, like what so- I liked about it was it was so realistic because often right. you'll see houses where they can just see outside without lights. You see everything, and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily how it works. So it was cool to see that you couldn't really see who it was. You saw this image, and then you see them start to smoke, and you get a little more image, and then they smash the window and crack it. Um, Right. It's it's a very menacing scene. It's really well-directed, and it does exactly what it needs to do to put you in the – to get you ready for what's to come. (laughs) Right. Well, and and the thing that was was awesome, too, is that when I first saw it and I saw the silhouette – I didn't even get to the cigarette scene. I had to stop it, rewind it, and sit back, you know, 16 years ago when I was watching on disc. Because I was like, did I just see what I think I saw? And when I saw it again, I said, no. It, it was just awesome. And I have to say, she pulls out the cigarette and starts smoking it. So you see the, the glow, you know, another side of the window. All she needed, Mike, was an English accent. And then you got your, your great villain right there, right? Smoking in English accents, right, Mike? That's that's stereotype. Yeah, yeah, it always is that way in, in American or English language films, uh, or specifically American films. Um, but here, yeah, the she smashes the window. She calls the cops. Um, now I, I thought it was weird that first of all, the, there's riots going on uh, a few miles away, and the cops show up. And they say, yeah, don't worry, the, this woman's gone. You don't have to worry about her anymore. And we'll have a, a, a cruiser come by every so often. But 
I, I don't know why she didn't say, all right, I, I'm, I'm just going to my mother's house at this point. Did they, was that part of the strain in the relationship with the mother intentionally so she wouldn't have the excuse to go somewhere else? I, I, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure she thought that if she called the cops, the person wouldn't come back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And they Fair do enough. show up and they look around and they say they're going to keep checking on her, which is really good. It's exactly what you would expect. And yep. they they do it right, um, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I thought I thought it was kind of interesting. Um, some of the, the conversation of the, the the woman cop because she was the the three cops show up. One is a woman, and she I think was the boss of the three. And and she says, oh, uh, you know, she uh, she goes, are you here alone? And she goes, yeah. And she goes, and the cop says, oh, another man that that doesn't want to stay. Uh, for, with a pregnant woman or something like that, and the the and the protagonist she goes, it's it's not as easy as that. Um, so I, I thought it was an interesting line because you you have a cop or someone that isn't in the know say something that was kind of rude and French. Yeah, that's 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 probably right, Mike. Yeah, it's the French. But uh, I, I liked it because it, it gave us more background to the state of mind of our protagonist. Because you have strangers just assuming things when she's probably crying for help without actually crying for help. In other words, she's crying for help but not telling people that I need help, and everybody's just misunderstanding her. And uh, this is just another example of that, I feel. And I, I thought that was kind of an interesting aspect um, of, of, of the film and her character. Because, again, she's, she's all alone. She really is all alone. And I don't know it's at this point in her life if it's intentional or is it just because of the, the unfortunate losing her husband. Because she's lost her. Very intentional. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're saying, Eric, that she's purposely she's like me. She just wants to stay in her house and have people leave her the fuck alone. Yeah, I I think you're absolutely right, Eric. Yep. Yeah. I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Me too. Sure. Sure. Um, uh, We don't know. I mean, it'd be nice if we knew who she was before the accident. Um. And we don't get much of her socializing with other people. Like, we don't find out, like, we're working on impression as to whether or not that's uh, with her mom, whether that's an ongoing thing or is it a a post-accident thing or, or, you know, what started it or why it happened or... um, so, I mean, it could really, I mean, one of the reasons they may have said it at Christmas, besides obviously the whole birth thing and, you know, it's, uh, is simply the fact that it's a, it's, it's a shitty time to be alone. And, you know, she's, she's lost her, her, her lost a lot. Um, and she's kind of going through this alone. And you can argue that it's her choice. Again, it would be useful to know what the, the reason is she's estranged from her mom. Um, and in real life, it's none of your fucking business, but she's a fucking character in a movie, so it is totally our business. We paid for the ticket. <laughs> um, but it's... 
it, it is just to get that loneliness, I think. I think, think it is to get that sort of she's in a bad spot, and, and again, it's, it's about to get so much worse. Uh, I was actually surprised that the cops came. I was expecting, because I'm, I'm like uh, you, Eric, I remembered next to nothing other than the the broad plot uh, and the fact that um, she was at one point barricaded, the ending, of course, and that she was barricaded in a bathroom at one point. That was it. Are we, have we so turned off the flag yet? Oh yeah, was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, I remembered the the fact that she accidentally killed her own mom, but that was about it. I didn't even remember that. I didn't remember any of the. That was that was rough. That Maybe. was rough. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I'd forgotten the cops. I just think so. I'm like looking and thinking, why are they doing this thing with the besides time and place and the French and the. The, the burning of the cars, I thought, well, maybe it's to give them an excuse to have the cops not show up. Right? The cops are busy putting out fires, literally. Right. I thought, okay, so maybe that's the whole reason the cops don't show up. But no, they show up. Uh, and then apparently the reason they don't call for backup later is because they just don't know how a radio works, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. But it's, uh, right. it's a thing. Well, they, yeah, you know, they, they could. That's another thing. They could have thrown a, a line and saying, with the riots, no backups coming. You know, for something like this. Right, right. You know, and that could have solved that problem. Um, I, I I forgot a lot of the film too. I forgot all about the bathroom that she was locked in the bathroom for a good portion of the film. Um, but I did remember the second group of cops showing up, and and what happens to one of them where. He gets all effed up and and is even blind, <laughs> and he mistakenly and at that point he's just panic mode. And at the time when I saw the film, I just thought it was like B movie madness. But after reviewing the film and seeing it again today and reading some reviews from um, critics, because I, I read a bunch of them uh, after watching the film again uh, this week, um, they were talking about how he and I think even think Wiki talks about it too. Uh, the cop freaks out because he's blind and he has a bolt or something in his head anyway. He got, you know, stabbed or whatever. And, and so he's all freaking out. And so he's just assuming the person that's near him is um, our antagonist. And that's why he attacks the protagonist on mistake mm. because because he's blind and in panic mode. Yeah, um, right in the belly, right? Because I thought that oh, was a yeah. rough scene. There's a nice little splat yeah. that comes out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, bad. yeah. Well, actually, actually, one of the there was a lot of rough scenes. That's for sure. Uh, the yeah. the the airway to to where she has oh, to once she gives herself a tracheotomy. Yeah, it's like imagine having to do that. I mean, I don't even know if people would would, would just pass out trying to do it. Never mind. And and I'd yeah, be dead. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> seriously, seriously. Yeah. So, and and when, I remember when I first saw the film, and what, I was saying, "What the fuck is she doing?" Because I couldn't understand. And then it's like, okay, I, I figured it out a couple of minutes later. But, well, but if you watched nine one one on television, you would know. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I never did. Yeah. Um. So, so yeah. So she's left alone. Uh, the cops show up. They say, don't worry, we'll have other cops come by, you know, randomly every every hour or whatever. Um, she won't come back. But I, I feel that she doesn't explain it well enough 
because I think at one point, doesn't even when the cops show up, she already understands that. Yeah, because she does it. She says it to him. She goes, "The car, the the woman knows more about me than my name because it's on the mailbox." Because the cops say, "Oh, well, she knows your name because it's on the mm-hmm. mailbox." But she she tells no, them that multiple times that she yeah, knows she, more than that. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Exactly. Oh, he was mansplaining to her. Well, it's a woman, a woman cop that was oh, doing the right. mansplaining. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it was a woman cop that was, was telling her. How dare you insinuate that a woman can't mansplain? <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, so, so yeah, yeah. So the, yeah. I mean, she does bring it up, but you're right, Barrett. For some reason, the cops just are nonchalant about it, or she. I I, I think also her own damage. Is, is causing her to not communicate well enough to the cops to make them know that, no, no, you don't understand. This this woman somehow knows that my husband died. She's been, she knows all this information about me that, that she, most people wouldn't unless they were my friends or our coworkers. But she doesn't get that across to the cops well enough. Yeah, she's and, a little too internalized, I think, with her – pain and everything else that she doesn't explain it well. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I, I think that's partly uh, her detriment. Um, yeah. To, and for her safety because, again, um, she has to not be Eric for, for a night and say, you know what, I just got to go somewhere and be around people because I, I can't be alone with this. I'd night. rather die. Well, and she, <laughs> she doesn't show emotion there, you know, when she's talking to the cops. So right. they're probably not as worried just from that standpoint. and But they, I think where the, the fault there is, if the cops saw that cracked window, right, they right. should be a little more worried because that's a little more extreme. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and again, no, you know what? Because of the riots going on, maybe that's why the, the cops were being nonchalant about yep. saying it's Yeah, exactly. It's just they got, yeah, they got bigger fish to cry. Yeah, and there's nothing like, compared to what we're dealing with down the street. Right, or or this could just be one of those idiots from down the street, and they just right, they yeah, finally exactly. ran, ran up here, you know, and 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 stuff. But again, uh, if she wasn't, meaning our protagonist wasn't in a uh, tunnel vision mode because of her melancholy, um, I think she would have been able to clarify things a little yeah, more forceful at all. She just yeah, yeah, like you need to do something more. You know, that's what most people would be doing in that situation, and she wasn't doing any of that. She was just kind of protesting lightly. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Um, all right, so we now have our antagonist in the picture. It's another woman. Um, now, question, how did she get in the house? Because I must have missed that somehow. Well, you know, it's a funny thing that you brought that up, Barrett, because um, – Again, I had seen it years ago, and I forgot that scene. But uh, when I rewatched it this week, I had to rewind it ten minutes to try to figure out how she got in as well, because I, I, it's never explained. Oh, so it's never shown how she gets in the house? No. Okay. Cool. <laughs> I thought I missed it somehow. Yeah, which is kind of bizarre, because again, I mean, you know, maybe maybe she was able to get in through some sort of a, um, ability to, to, you know, like they show in thrillers where, where someone uses a credit card to pop open a window or something like that. But but if you're our protagonist and you have this kook 
that came to your house and knows too much about you than that they shouldn't know, then I, I, you would think they would be a little more sure that all windows and doors are locked. So, so yeah, I, I, it, it confused me a bit. I don't know. I don't know that like. I could have gone to sleep after that. Right. 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 Yeah. So, what about you, Mike and and, and Eric? What, what did you guys think of how she got in and and, and it not being explained? I didn't care. Uh, I think that what ha- it's the, 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 there's a really uh, specific technique that you can use to get into a locked house like that, and that is to have the writer write that you're in the house. <laughs> and that right. is like 100% foolproof. Well, and, that, and that's exactly how what, what happened. Uh, but I, I was just curious if you guys – what you guys thought um, – if that was an issue for either of you, and it appears it didn't bother Eric too much. Well, I mean, it, it's, I don't know if it's a cheat. I didn't, I, I mean. It's incidental, right? Um, it doesn't, you don't have to know. I just was curious if I missed something. It doesn't no, really yeah, that, bother that, me that much. But. Right. And if, if, if it's, this is a woman in, a, in an apartment or a house. This is not like Fort Knox. You know, this is not some place where you would expect you can't just get somebody in there without explanation. Um, I'm sure there's something mundane that can come up with it. Um, and they're trying to keep her mysterious. And so having her, like, trying to jimmy a lock would kind of kill the, kill the atmosphere and the mood, I think. It would take away some of the mystery of the character. That's how I see it. Sure, sure. So, like, you never saw Michael Myers trying to pick a lock with a with a with a credit card. Right, right. No, that's fair. That's fair. It, it's uh, one of those things that just makes it more mysterious, I guess. Yeah. Um, all right. So. Uh, where do we want to go from here? So she gets in the house, and this is the first brutal scene of the of the film. Uh, she pulls out a, a scissors. It's very disturbing. She puts it in alcohol, and then she attempts to do a cesarean on a sleeping woman, uh, but very violently with, like, knife um swinging moves <laughs> um, so yeah it, it's it's pretty pretty uh effed up yeah um, that's well, that's what that's what I meant when I said it went from zero to a hundred very quickly, yeah, she sticks that scissors in the belly button area and starts to cut the woman wakes up, and when she wakes up, she slashes her in the face pretty good, yeah, the belly button it's always on the nipples she'd stabbed her at first, uh no, it's the belly button belly button yeah. okay. Yeah, she but starts you know, to cut, like cut with the scissors. Almost, she she pushes the tip of that scissors right into her belly button. I, can I say I I love the the use of the scissors. The scissors are one of the best weapons I've seen in a horror film. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of original. You don't see it often. Well, first of all, the scissors they use are great. Right, they're, they're not, she's not just using household shears. You know, they're just they're these. Very shiny silver scissors. They're, they're, they're like like uh, sewing scissors almost. Right. right. They're yeah. usually and, and very also, sharp. 
Yeah. And also, obviously, since it's a, a film about pregnancy and babies, um, you're not going to get around sex being a thing. And, and if you're thinking about something that a woman would use, you know, scissors are, are you know, especially like, you know, um, uh, fabric scissors, something that's, that's something that you would, you would, you would associate more likely with the woman of the house. You know, whereas like, if you're talking about a machete, that's, that's a manly weapon. It's a man's, that, that would be a man's weapon. That would be a Jason weapon. Right. So I think even then that, that sort of reinforces that theme um, that the scissors are something mom would use. Right. Uh, and of course, by the way, you know, she also uses a, um, I think that was a knitting needle, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, Barrett, um, you know, uh, I know your wife's not big on horror movies. Would you explain to her that this is about a woman who who, who likes to knit? I actually did. I did not tell her about this movie because I don't think she would appreciate this one. <laughs> yeah, that would have been surprising if uh, you had her watch it blind. You're like, yeah, I still see this film for the podcast. Do you want to watch it with me? It's like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, but you're right, Mike. That's an excellent point. Uh, the weapons used in this film uh, by both women for self-defense as well as for um, the violence and and, and um, crimes are, are done with weapons that are part of uh, sewing kits, basically. Um, so, so... I found this on the web. Goddamn, Siri. Um, hey, she understood you, at least. I have to... She did. Um, so, uh, it happens at least once every podcast. Uh, but the, the thing is, is, is yeah, you have the uh, sewing scissors, so it's not shears that you would see, like, Cropsy from, uh, you know, the, that New York uh, Staten Island thing, never mind, uh, from that movie, The Darning. And, and you don't have um, uh, something lighter either. It, it's actually scissors that could be used as a weapon, but wouldn't necessarily be thought of as a weapon, just as um, you didn't have the knitting needles um, used as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's a good point, Mike. I, I like we, that. We have uh, so many knitting needles in our house that I've always thought of them, that they could be used as weapons. I've kind of, i got to be honest with you, I've watched so many horror movies, there is not many, there's almost nothing that I've never looked at and thought, how could I murder somebody with this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Barry, oh, you better watch I, out. I don't know if you've ever like gotten the Facebook post like that's like, oh, Jason's coming after you. What the object to your right is the thing that you're going to use for self to, for def, to defend yourself, and you know what is it? And it's almost in it for me. It's almost inevitably my cat, um, which, right. which means I'm doomed. One of the interesting things about this movie too is I did not expect the cops to show up later, and it definitely drove the body count up really high. Um, I thought it was going to be just like a cat and mouse between between them. Um, right. so that added a lot more interest than I thought it was going to have. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, like I said, I remembered her being in the bathroom. And I thought, I don't remember anything other than her being in the bathroom. And then, other than, and then you know, she gets cut. Um, I was like, how the fuck did they film a, a movie... With her just being in the bathroom. 
how did they stretch it out? And I couldn't remember. And then the right. cops oh, wait, were the way to do it. And um, and also, awesome. they, they were smart enough to make it a movie that's only 80 minutes or something long. And that one cop, I got to say, was pretty bad at his job because, like, when the other guy yells out, arrest her, you should probably assume at that point she's dangerous. Right. And, like, not just stand there if she tries to fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't have handcuffs right away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If it was the state, she, she would have had handcuffs on her. Zip ties, because they're dealing with a riot. I would have thought zip ties would have been right at his waist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they would have had something to put, to have her uh, incapacitated, um, but they they don't. Um, and I had forgotten how she got away from the cops uh, because I haven't seen the film for sixteen years. But uh, it works. And then, and then the moment she takes out the first cop, she now has a gun because right, I guess right. France they they have guns, or at least at that point in, in time they did. And, uh, yeah, she takes out the second cop with no problems. And that's when the third cop hears the, the, the gun shots from the car. And, and he says, should have called for backup at that point. Right, <laughs> right. And not brought a, another person he was bringing in into the house. <laughs> right. Right. I love yeah. how the guy was just, like, crying about it the whole time. <laughs> Please, can you just let me go back to the car? <laughs> Well, and, and that's the thing. I think the, re- the the issue was is since they were undercover cops, the, at least this group were, they didn't have a real cop car, so they didn't they couldn't just lock them in the back like a regular cop car. Mm-hmm. But but maybe maybe you you have handcuffs, right? He was handcuffed, wasn't he? The, Handcuff him to the arm of the door right. or some shit. Exactly, and yeah, just have him stay in the car, handcuffed uh, in the back seat. Exactly. No. And here in New York, they would have just beat him senseless so we didn't go anywhere. <laughs> actually, actually in, in, in New York, they just let him go. They go, all right, there you go. You did nothing wrong. Yeah, it depends on, depends on the cops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, there's no middle ground. It's let go or beat up. <laughs> right, 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 right. But most of them just let him go now because it's like the DA. They're just going to let him go anyway, so I might as well not even bother now. Waste my time. I'd rather go back to the donut shop. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so, yeah, so so this is where the body counts go, go skyrocket, right? Because they already have – the first group of deaths was basically – her boss, the protagonist's boss, and a protagonist's mother. And I thought, I'm sorry, I stepped away for a moment, so I don't know if you guys talked about this already, but I thought the moment when she accidentally killed her mother was one of the most brutal in the whole movie. Because, yeah. yeah, they had a strange relationship, but so she mother. didn't want to murder her. Yeah. Right. Or, or she thought, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity. <laughs> uh, and she had such a lucky shot right to the jugular. Right. I mean, come on. I'm sorry, officer. I thought she was the murderer. <laughs> no, no coming back from that one. She couldn't even, like, hold his hands on it and stop that. Right. <laughs> well, I, I, I got to say, too, um, I have a for her to pretend that she was the mother was brilliant. It was. It was. And that's why I was like, and it wasn't even questioning it for a second. I was like, Oh, that's right. They haven't been introduced. He has, he doesn't know what she looks like. Right, right, right. And, and, and 
it was smart that they cast um, the the actress to be like eighteen to twenty years older, but still um, uh, before menopause. So so it was, it was a perfect uh, thing. So when the boss shows up, she, he just assumes this must be your mother, you know, her mother. And then for the mother to show up in that weird scene, that was pretty cool too, because the boss is going, "Who the hell are you?" Why did you just walk into this house? And it's like, right. oh, your mother. And then, then he, he's like, oh, if you're the mother, then who the hell is this? You know? And again, and he's still not sure. They're going, oh, crap. What's going to happen next? Right, right. And, and I liked his reaction, too, because he's like, they're both saying to the mother, so who's, who's who and what? I, I don't get what's going on here. But the thing I want to ask about that whole scene before it even occurred was, why do you guys think the antagonist decided to keep the boss there? Because he was going to leave. And she says, no, why don't you stay for a drink? Why do you think she decided to ask him to stay instead of just let him leave? Because she wanted to kill him, too. She was just going to do it later. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Because you see her kind of maniacally through the whole, you know, everything that leads up to that. She does these crazy things. Oh, that's true, yeah. She has and yelling and beating on things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she has these meltdowns of, of, like, weird humor or massive, like, depression. And and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's definitely, like, borderline or something, personality disorder or something. Yeah, so she's... All nuts, anyway. So that's a, that's a fair point, uh, Barrett. Um, so she takes out. She doesn't have to take out um, the mother because the mother gets killed by the daughter. <laughs> How convenient! Yeah. So the and the, but she does take out the boss. Um, and then the cops come, and, and this is a great line, too, because the cops come to just check on her, and it's a different group of cops, so they haven't met her yet, and they just check to see if she's okay or whatever. And then they come back a few minutes later because they it occurred to them, it's like, we're supposed to be here to check up on a pregnant woman, a, a pregnant woman that's, like, really pregnant. And this woman says she's the person that we're checking up on, and she's not pregnant. And so they know immediately, okay, there's something fishy going on. I like so that th- part, because that made them seem smart, but then they do a bunch of dumb stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, that's true. Um, so, yeah, so she takes out uh, the first two cops, and um, then the other cop comes in with, with the... the um, the guy that that was, uh, you know, doing the crime stuff on on the street with the riots, uh, the rioter, I guess that's what you would call them, um, and and it's like all messed up because there's blood everywhere and there's corpses everywhere and they're like holy shit, and and I love the rioter saying I just want to go back to the car. But we yeah, need I, to go back to the car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and this is where where Eric, I think it was either you or it was Barrett that said it. Um, yeah, I mean, they should have called for backup immediately. Mm-hmm. The moment they heard the gunshots, backup, but he didn't. He was stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And also, they're just bad at his job. I'm pretty sure that's standard procedure, whether you're in France or not. Yes. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, even if it's a non-standard police car, they had to have a way of staying in communication. Right. Oh, they were on the radio earlier, weren't they? I think you're right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's true. Also, also the the guy was the cop was going around with the 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 rider, and the rider had so many. If the rider was an evil person, which he what, what most likely wasn't, he was just you know punk kid. Um, he could have clubbed the cop so many times. The cop turned his back to right. the rider so many times. The rider could have just clubbed him and, and ran or took his gun. You know, I mean, I, I know he was. T- oh. Had the handcuffs or whatever. Like when they were in the bathroom, he was trying to help the woman, and the and the, the punk was like trying not to throw up because of all the blood and gore around. That made right. you laugh. No, Mike, you were going to say something. I, uh, I I don't get the sense that he was the club somebody in the back of the head kind of kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I, right, I, right. I get the sense that if this was a this was actually if this was like an actual let's say a cop film instead of a horror movie, you know he'd be sort of like Joe Pesci in Lethal Weapon. He'd be like the comic relief who's forced to tag along with the cops, right? Well, and that, that's what, I, what I'm thinking, Mike. If, if, I mean, how he doesn't really know the guy. He arrested him, so he doesn't know if the guy's really a bad guy or not. But we're, let's assume he, he gets the idea that it's just a, a punk kid and, and not a bad guy. At that point, I, I I would have thought he would just let, either like Barrett said, lock him in the back of the car uh, with with handcuffs, or I, like I said earlier, which is just let him go. And you know, we got your name; we can just pick you up, you know, in a couple of days or something. Because it's like at this point, you got something worse going on. You, you can't, and if you can't keep him in the car, why would you carry him along with you? That's just nuts. Into the gunfire that you just heard. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, you know, there's a couple of p- parts that people could nitpick if they really wanted to, I suppose. Uh, but again, uh, you know, who knows how it is in, in France. Uh, but it, it it doesn't seem normal. I'm sure that that isn't the norm. Um, so, uh, what else do we want to talk about? Anything else we wanted to bring up uh, with the film uh, that we is on anybody's list that we haven't brought up yet. Anything? The end. Uh, we talk about the uh, spray can. No, go ahead. Oh, that, <laughs> it, that was a great scene. I mean, was like, yeah. That was a great, and it was probably one of the more surprising things that ever happened in a in a horror movie for me. Like all the rest of it, it was extremely violent, uh, but kind of played along with what was going on in the movie. <laughs> in the kitchen and she goes to light a cigarette and the protagonist grabs a can of like oven spray or whatever it is and just turns it into a torch. That was so awesome. Yeah, which which by the way means, good. Eric, that wasn't just a cigarette. Huh? That was Chekhov's cigarette. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, also, at that point, it was it, it made me know that, okay, the antagonist ain't going to get away. Scot free because you know she's burnt. There's no way she's gonna get away scot free. But it, it it also didn't make me assume she was gonna win. If anything, it made me think she was gonna lose. It's just gonna yep. take a little longer, you know. So so that was a big twist later in the film to see what happens mm-hmm. uh, because of what happened to her with. Her half her face being burnt off, basically. Right, right, right. And you guys were asking me what I meant about when my comment about the effects. The specific effects that I didn't think held up were the CGI fetus. Yeah, I would that's, agree. that's a little cheesy looking. 
Um, and then the final scene. It's like the dancing baby. The dancing baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then um, the final scene, you know. Dancing baby didn't hold up at the time. But to finish my thought, um, the final scene when the coup de grace is brought, when, the, when she actually goes and cuts the baby out, um, th- that does not look anything like real skin. Um, <laughs> the, the, the belly that she was cutting. Um, but the whole concept is so horrifying that it doesn't really matter. It still makes you squirm like mad. Um, yep. And, and I, I don't think it like ruins the scene or anything. But if, if, if you know it's coming and you've seen it before, you'd notice that it doesn't really look like actual skin. That's all. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I too the the place where I thought the fetus looked possibly the worst is actually throw, is when she's holding it hostage, and she's there's a shot where you see the the needle going into the belly, and so you just see like the indent in the mm-hmm. uterus. Yeah, the uterus, and that I thought was uh, like just notably not not a great shot. Um. Other times it's so quick and you know nothing specific is happening. For that, it just it just was like really clear. Oh, there was a CGI needle press. So, yeah, but I mean, in, for the most part, uh, yeah, the, the practical effects are great. Like all the stuff with the getting stabbed in the in the eye and the head and the heads blown off the gun and stabbed with knitting needles and all that shit was done really really well. Oh, just yeah. that couple of things that stood out to me. Right, right. No, and that's fair. That's fair. And, uh, yeah. and did we ever reveal what the motivation was? Uh, no, I don't think we did. No, we did not. Uh, the motivation was that the accident we saw at the beginning of the movie, apparently the person in the other car was this woman, and she had been pregnant at the time and lost her baby because of the accident. Um, and apparently Sarah was unaware that this woman lived because they told her there were no survivors. And they do it in a cool way too. Like they, so there's that monologue that I talked about in the beginning. You find out was the other woman saying it, mm-hmm. not the main character who you who they lead you to believe says it. Right, right. So, and and, I mean, and we think the fetus in the the pre credit scene is the fetus in our protagonist, but it isn't. It's the one that's in the antagonist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now also, one thing I, I, I'm curious, too, because obviously the loss of the baby was devastating for our antagonist, especially uh, if she was a little unsound in the first place. But, again, you know, they, they have a, a woman that's a little older playing the role uh, because at the time, I believe... Uh, um, the actress was uh, like 39. Um, so, so uh, you know, as we know, the, the uh, older you are, the pregnancies are, are more difficult, never mind the uh, chance to be able to give birth, just the fact that, you know, time, um, you only have a certain amount of time uh, in your life to do so. Uh, I'm curious if all those things, you know, made her go nuts. But this also... I'm thinking based off of her mental breakdown, not just losing the baby, but everything, maybe 
our protagonist was at fault in the accident. I'm yeah, that's the feeling I got was that she was at fault. Or at least this woman was crazy enough that she blamed her for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't think, think that if she was at fault, uh, you know, don't you think that, like, they would that there would have been an expectation of, like, criminal charges? That yes. She yeah. killed everybody involved in the accident. So I have to imagine they somehow convinced her. And that's, like, the one thing that I find implausible. It, 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 you know, like, wall-breaking implausible, as opposed to just normal horror movie implausible in the film, is that they would just, for no particular reason whatsoever, tell her that everybody else in the accident had died. Because that'll make her feel better. <laughs> well, and how uh, would that secret be kept? Wouldn't she have seen news about the accident or something? Well, uh, I don't know. She may have been obsessed over her husband dying. But, yeah, you would expect there would have been a news clipping, man dies in car accident, not, you know, and, I mean, was the media involved? Was there a cover-up? Uh, did she <laughs> take her death? What, you know, it's, and, and she said, you'll, you'll know me when you see me, which I guess is meant to imply that you'll know that I'm the other person in the accident. It's like, well, she thought you were fucking dead. Why would she recognize you? Right. She um, never saw her, actually. That's <laughs> Uh, did you notice that the cars were black and white? Uh, you mean not the film itself, but the two the vehicles' colors? Vehicle, it was a black car and a white car because in the film, the the uh, uh, Sarah is spends the, the the film in white, and the, the antagonist spends the film in black. So it's a black car and a white car. So they're they're, they're obviously in in the most cliched way possible, but it just works is uh, because the white helps because all the blood helps to stand out. And the villain, I honestly think she just looked great in that black dress. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and and that's I think another reason why they they cast the antagonist, the actress to play the antagonist, because. Um, like I said, in the 80s, um, so like 15 years prior to this film, she was not only a, a famous actress in her own like, but she was a, a sex symbol. You know, I mean, she was like, like I mentioned, you know, a comparison to Angelina Jolie type. You know, everybody agrees that in her prime as a young actress, she wasn't just a great actress, but but she also was. Uh, um, a sex symbol too, and, and same thing. So it makes sense. Uh, they would cast her, especially like you said, Mike. She looks fantastic um, in in this black dress uh, and whatnot. So sexy, I meant just like villain look. Oh, interesting. Okay, okay. Because I I, I had it. I I, can, I concur. That makes sense too. And it is an old fashioned dress as well. Right. Um, but it also uh, was tight and it had her figure too. So it, oh yeah, and that that all yeah. helped and yeah. and it helped yeah. give that that look and give you give her a a uh, uh, very specific silhouette. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, almost kind of like a vampire. Or a type. witch outfit. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. So it it's more menacing for some reason. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was, it was a, um, the costume designs, 
uh, individual uh, most certainly did their job correctly as well. And, and again, a lot of that is, is the director, um, you know, saying that's what they want, and then the costume person comes back and, and you know, hits a home run. So right, and and let's remember, and and it, it bears pointing out, it is a great costume design of really what's it's a black dress. Yep. And okay, maybe maybe I'm saying this uh, from a from a male perspective, but it's a fucking black dress. How distinctive and memorable can a fucking black dress be? But I think they did a really good job in getting like getting that sense of of menace. And because mostly she's seen, you just basically get this this black field and in a um with with her face on it. Yeah. Right, and it's something that I could see working very oh. well in animation. And there was one shot where she's walking into the room, and you see her from the back, and you see that it's all laced up the back. Yeah, the corset. And, yeah. and I was thinking yes. to myself, very old fashioned. Fancy for home invasion, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Not for her. Well, how do you home invade? Well, and, and that's that's what Aiden pajamas. That, that's what what uh, Barrett you meant. That's what you meant, Barrett, with with um, um, like like. Uh, outfit made her look more like a a sexy witch, uh, and you know I mentioned a, a vampirist type thing, and 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 sure enough, I think that's where they were going, just for the, for that, I guess that look, you know, and it was an old fashioned type of dress too, you know, like you said, of course that and stuff too, so it's kind of cool. It was it was, it was well done. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, any further things on, on on the dress or uh, uh, other other items on your list that anybody wanted to bring up? Well, the final scene we see her burned head and sitting in a chair, holding the baby, and it's kind of creepy. You know, this baby's fucked. <laughs> well, well, the baby's. I, well, I don't. I don't know if if she's going to get away with it. Anyway, and the baby will just be taken away and given to like a sister or or, or a cousin or something. But but the, I, so I didn't think of that. But I was I was wondering because eventually the cops are going to show up or someone's going to show up, and and I'm, I don't even know if she's going to even be able to leave the house. Never mind, um, have the ability to do it in the first place because of her injuries. So. I can't believe she's still moving around. I mean, she had like fourth degree burns. Villains <laughs> yeah. survive any injury, you know that. I know, I know. Yeah, so, so I, I'm I'm figuring that she'll probably still be at the house, and, and within a few hours, either the cops will show up, or someone from the hospital will call the cops to do a welfare check, and and eventually they're going to find this this crazy woman. With five or six corpses in the house, and and a baby that was cesarean by her, and she has like a half a face. So, I I think that's where it's going to end. If yeah, this this is the kind of thing that I imagine if it if it actually happened in France in real life, they'd be going, you know what? Maybe we we need to rethink that whole death penalty thing. <laughs> Just yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because I mean, could could you imagine the headline woman? Murders uh, three cops, uh, two women, and 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 uh, and a steal. And, 
And two and two extra men too, uh, the the rider and the boss as well, right? Oh, right, yeah. the boss. Yeah, I forgot about him. Oh, and yeah, three three women total, or two women total. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> You're still yeah. a baby. And although she didn't kill the mom, they'd probably blame that on her too. <laughs> they would, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah. she would be responsible for the death. Of course. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's one, two, three cops, uh, the rider, uh, the boss. And the mother. So that's six dead people. So that, that, that's a massacre for sure. That we no, know. It's, 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 it's kind of it's it's a punch to the gut at the end of the movie when she actually successfully removes the baby and Sarah dies. You're just like, what the fuck? That's not how this movie's supposed to end. Right. <laughs> Which is what brings up the nihilism thing I was talking <laughs> right, about. Right, right, right. Well, and, 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 as you get. And, and it makes it even more crazy for me because when I watched it again, when she had her ha- face burned half off, I said, okay, she's not going to win. It's just a matter of time, how many more people she'll kill and then when she dies and how she will die. But she does win. She does win. She takes out everybody and gets the baby, though she'll probably go to jail. But our hero, our, our protagonist, Sarah, does not make it. Was like, well, and she even asked her to take the baby at that point because she knows she's done. Right. Which is even worse, so she had to give in. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Because the, she fought that hard and still died, and the baby was still taken. Right, right. Exactly, exactly. Right. The baby can survive a few minutes after the mom dies, but the baby needs mom for oxygen. So once mom's dead. Right, it's, it's a few seconds away from suffocating. Well, more than a few, but right, right. Well, plus, plus at that point, uh, the pregnancy had to be cesarean. I, I was thinking anyway because that's the, what they were like. There's something wrong, right? Because her water breaks because she got hit by um, the car the baton. The baton. So, yeah. and, and she's already more, not. If, she's not mortally wounded, but she's definitely going to be in the hospital for a long time because of the trachea things you have to do and all this other stuff. So I, I figure she, yeah, I mean, I mean, plus the pain she was going through with the pregnancy happening and the baby can't make it out because at that point it's determined that it has to be a cesarean and they're not near a hospital. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it's weird, but I guess understandable no matter how horrific how it happens and, and why it happens and, and what she says to our murdering antagonist. So, yeah, it's, it's crazy. So, yeah, it's a, it's nihilistic. As, as, as you get all these, these French films back in those days were nihilistic. It was crazy. Right. Uh, and yeah. our tears is probably the king of them all. Yeah, yeah. You could listen to the episode, but it's not on the website. Yeah, I know. I gotta get it back up there. <laughs> um, also, also, uh, um, Japan had already done a few like that too, like Edition. That was nihilistic as well. So, so there, it was something going on in the world back in in that time frame. Um, yeah. And, well, there's it, always going to be within within horror fans. There's always that desire for a nihilistic ending. 
Right. Well, and and well, that's true, and that's the thing that was di- differentiated these films and 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 like I mentioned, Japanese film audition from some of the American films that were coming out at that time too, like Eli Roth films was Eli Roth films, the villains got it as much as the the protagonists, but in this film, these films here, uh, audition and all these French films. The protagonists got it, but the villains not necessarily didn't, and they actually win. So they were even more dark and nihilistic than, than you know, Hostel and all those films. So, oh, yeah. Well, Hostel has, lack of a better term, a happy ending. Right, um, right. Hostel 2 is a little on the nihilistic side, if I remember correctly, uh, because you basically have a character join them. Join the villains. Yeah. Uh, spoiler warning. Uh, but yeah, you, it's and even the soft films. You know, the soft films. Somebody kind of gets away, right? Somebody right. survives. And we only care. We never care in these horror movies that twenty people die as long as the one character makes it at the end. Right, 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 mm, right. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's like, it's, again, you think of the, the typical slasher film, you know, there's a six, seven, eight bodies in the in the summer camp. and Oh, but, but Julie survived. Since Julie survived, Julie survived, it's okay. You had a happy <laughs> ending. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, so this, this is a nihilistic film. What were you going to say, Eric? No, I'm just... It's, it's, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me just uh, ask one more time if there's uh, anything else anybody wanted to bring up that we've missed. Anything? Anyone? All right. So I guess uh, we can pretty much wrap it up. Uh, so thanks once again to Michelle Barkley uh, for her Patreon and uh, this pick. Uh, it was always good to revisit it. Uh, films we haven't seen for a while, especially good ones. Um, so before we get into our, our final thoughts on this film here, uh, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. Yep. And what's that? I don't remember. It's the CSE podcast, podcast called A-S-K-A-I-N-C-A-T-Y. Whoa, uh, you totally fucked that up. Yeah, well, that's what you're supposed to do. A-N-C-I-T-Y. Yeah, Eric, you're the one supposed to fuck that up. That's right. Uh, basically, you talk about uh, general topics stop. in the news. Stop. Yeah. So you find it wherever podcasts Yeah, let's are. just stop. I need to go to bed. All right, all right. So, um... Let's uh, give our final thoughts on this film here. So, uh, Eric, what do you got? Uh, this is a classic, uh, one of the French extreme horror films. If you've not seen it and you listened all the way through, that's a bummer. Um, but, but hopefully watch it anyway if you want to see some neat violence because uh, it does that really well. All right, sounds good. Uh, yeah, for me, I would concur with Eric. This is a classic horror film Uh it was uh, listed by uh, mo- most folk as one of the top 10 or 20 best horror films of the decade. Uh, never mind, uh, probably in the past 50 years, you could throw it up there with uh, other classic horror films, and I don't think anyone would, would poo-poo. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, a great film. High recommend. Uh, just be careful. Uh, Mike? Yeah, I would say it's one of the best films of the new millennium, uh, of the new century, whatever. Since 2000, uh, it was, like I said, an instant classic, I think, and and it 
it, and I say that having only watched it once before now, it is certainly a memorable film. It is one of the best of these old French New Wave, and I think the only one that really holds a candle to it is going to be uh, Martyrs personally. Uh, and Martyrs is just a brilliant but unbelievably difficult film to watch. Uh, I, I highly recommend it um, if you if you are able to, to handle in some some brutal stuff. Uh, if not, stay away. Stay far away. All right, sounds good. And uh, Barrett? Yeah, I echo what everybody else said. I really like this film. It was my first time seeing it. It's worth seeing, but it's very gory, very bloody, and it's a rough film to watch, so be ready for some nihilism. Indeed. Also, uh, there was a uh, remake, uh, American remake. Uh, Don't watch uh, that. Exactly. Everybody says to not watch it. Roger Ebert gave it one and a half stars. Uh, so it, it was a terrible film. Oh, I have not seen it. Back from the dead, dead when it came out? To give it a terrible he, was still, he was still alive in 2016. Actually, actually, or or it was or it was RogerEbert.com. When the, the people that would make more sense. Yeah. yeah. He was but not they, alive they, in 2016, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, you could be right. So, so yeah, they, they hated it. Uh, so, yeah, you can avoid it. I haven't seen it and don't plan to. Um, so this film here, once again, uh, it's called Mati- not Mati- uh, The Inside, or Inside, uh, originally uh, the French word name is Alain Interior, uh, directed by Julian Marie and Alexandre Bustillo, uh, and written by Alexandre Bustillo. Uh, the two uh, work together as a tandem uh wherever they uh, have, have done films. So uh, all their films, it's, they've worked together. Um, the film stars uh, the two lead actresses, Beatrice Dow as the antagonist and Alison Pardis as the uh, protagonist. Uh, film uh, got a French release in 2007 in the United States in 2008, uh, readily available anywhere films are found, including discs. Uh, so uh, check it out if uh, it sounds appealing to you. And with all that stated, Eric, what are you doing? Thank you for joining us to talk about the film Inside. Come back next week. We will have another topic. <laughs>